May I speak in the name of the one true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Do you always put your best foot forward with God? When the disciples gathered in the upper room with Jesus, they were ready for something special. A meal, a celebration, a feast, for it was Passover. And so it was a feast dripping with religious significance. It was, in some ways, not unlike the Easter celebrations that many of us will have in a few days. Formal dinners after big, crowded annual worship services, where we wear our nice clothes and eat with family and perhaps close invited friends. It is one of those odd extended dinners where everyone recognizes how rarely we get together like this. Where we have those awkward conversations which are one part intensely personal talks with people we have known for years and one part stiff formal exchanges with those distant relatives or new in-laws whom we don't quite know yet. It is as we break bread together, as the deal, meal drags on, that we build those relationships. <coughs> this is what the disciples are expecting to deepen their relationship at this formal religious feast. Except that Jesus, and only Jesus, realizes that they won't be getting together like this again. He alone knows that he will soon be arrested and condemned. He alone knows who will do it and how. He alone knows that what he will do this evening will, he hopes, be remembered forever. And so, rather than simply talking, telling his disciples how he wants them to live, telling them yet again to love one another, he shows them. He demonstrates what radical love and forgiveness look like. He starts by sharing a meal with them, all of them, his disciples, including the one he knows will betray him. They eat together, remembering their common roots, their common heritage as they reenact the Passover meal instituted by Moses. But this time, it is a meal with a twist. For in, in addition to the traditional Hebrew blessing of bread and wine, Jesus tells them that these are now his body and his blood, a new feast to be celebrated in remembrance of his life and his sacrifice. He shares it with all of them, even the one who will betray him. And then in the midst of the meal, he gets up and takes off his outer garment and begins to wash their feet. Peter objects because Peter always objects. Peter at times seems to be that most human of the disciples. 
He's the one who, it seems, never gets it or never wants to. He's the one who falls asleep or gets frightened. He acts, well, quite frankly, he acts the way I imagine many of us would if we had been in his place. So why does Peter object? Maybe Peter is shocked at the sight of his teacher doing menial work. For teachers were held in, in high esteem. They were leaders of their communities gathering followers. To see an established rabbi stooping down to wash feet, it would be as shocking as seeing a NASA astronaut begging on a street corner. Has he no self-respect? How could he have stooped so low? Or maybe Peter objects because he's worried about the implications of what he sees. If Jesus is washing his feet, thinks Peter, maybe it means that Jesus thinks that he is ready to lead. Perhaps, panics Peter, this is the form of the passing of the torch, the master washing the feet of his student. And Peter is pretty sure he's not ready to lead this ministry. And so Peter objects, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus replies, if I cannot wash your feet, you cannot follow me. Why not, you wonder? Well, we'll get to that. Peter ups the ante. He wants to put his best foot forward. And in this case, his best foot is not a foot at all. Not just my feet, Jesus, but my hands and my head as well. Why? Because feet are dirty and smelly. Hands and head, those are clean and attractive. Peter probably doesn't want to be remembered for his smelly, imperfect, ugly feet. He wants Jesus to see the full measure of him, the good and the bad. But Jesus knows the full measure of him. He doesn't care about that right now. He wants to show the disciples how to love. He wants to care for the most hurt, the most unpleasant, the ugliest. Just as Jesus has spent his life reaching out to the most neglected and abused parts of the body of all of society, he now wants to tend to the most abused parts of the bodies of the disciples. Because we all need tending. And so Jesus told Peter, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. You cannot minister unless you are willing to admit that you are imperfect too. Unless you are willing to admit, Peter, that you need Jesus just as much as everyone else does. But Peter's not ready to admit that. Do we put our best foot forward? Are we ready to admit something more? 
In this age of Facebook and Instagram, we get lots of insights into the lives of people that we might not otherwise know that well. And we post lots of things about ourselves that others might not know about us. But so often it seems we post only our best foot forward. We post the good much more than the bad. We post about vacations, but not about long hours of work or penny-pinching to afford it. We post about the special party, but not about the sadness that accompanies the loved ones that couldn't attend. We post about our pride in children's accomplishments much more readily than we post about our struggles with our children's faults and challenges. And part of this, of course, is about our need to privacy, but I suspect a lot of it is about wanting to put our best foot forward. If we cannot share the dirty with each other, are we prepared to share it with God? I've wandered quite a bit across the Episcopal Church from New England to Nebraska with copious stops in between. And so I've seen a whole lot of different Maundy Thursday services. I've seen churches where they didn't do foot washing at all and focused on the meal. I've been in churches where they wanted to be sanitary and so symbolically washed hands instead of feet. I've been in places which emphasize that the priest is the servant and so the priest washed everyone's feet and I've been in the exact opposite where the altar party never participated, presumably because they were too good. I've been in churches where the ladies and possibly the gentlemen too got pedicures before the service so that their feet can look as perfect as the rest of their bodies at the moment of washing. And I know churches that wash the feet of the homeless every year on Maundy Thursday, treating each injury that comes with a life in old tattered shoes pacing the street and no safe, warm place to spend the night. And after those feet are lovingly washed in warm water and soap, tenderly wrapping them in clean, warm socks before putting them back in their tattered shoes. It is those last services of Maundy Thursday that evoke the strongest emotions in me. Because I will confess that in my heart of hearts, there are times that I absolutely love that service, love the idea behind it, and also love it because I know the people involved, both the ministers and, in many cases, the congregation. But when I think about that service, at times it also deeply troubles me because while it expresses true service and love of one's neighbor, true sacrifice and care, on the one hand, I see the doctors and nurses donating their time and expertise to this public foot washing, which literally takes hours in public squares. But I find myself worrying and wondering whether those same doctors and others pause to have their own feet washed, whether they are ready to offer up their own imperfections to God, or whether they are a little like Peter, wanting to serve others 
but not quite ready to admit that they have an ugly side too. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. So here is what we remember on this Maundy Thursday night. We remember first and foremost that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus sat at table and broke bread with everyone, with his disciples and the one who betrayed him. That throughout his life he broke bread with the outcasts and the, out, uh, the unloved, and that he commanded us to do the same in remembrance of him. That we should invite all to the table. But beyond that, we also remember that he washed the feet of his disciples despite their objections as a model of love. And for those who would object that God is too much, too perfect to care about us, we remember that Jesus lived among us and that he washed his feet, washed our feet. That he did not think he was too good for us. And that he said we should do the same. And for those who would object, like Peter, that we are not ready to take over this ministry, Jesus washed feet and showed radical love and basically said that we all can do this. For those of you who want Jesus to look at your nice parts, your hard-working hands, your good-looking face, your skillfully crafted resume, we remember that Jesus loves us and loves our beat-up, smelly, unpedicured feet too. Tonight, we remember that Jesus had seen the worst of humanity, betrayed by a friend and led to the cross, ready to bear that. And so we remember that whatever we have, we can offer that to Jesus, and he will wash that clean too. Because until we are ready to admit that we too need to be washed, that we need to be loved, that we need Jesus to show us the same unconditional care that he showed everyone else. We cannot wash others. Jesus will wash us. And he invited us to do the same. Amen.